0: behind the shades
1: oh my god it's honestly it's been like a roller coaster it's been me like leaving my abuser but also having to leave my kids behind and then um for months and months having to deal with like the same like he's he's pretty much doing the same thing is telling me that he knows my address he knows where i live and that it's a really crappy part of town and that he knows people all across canada that he can just dial up and say oh go and find her blah 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 and it's just like i it, it doesn't work anymore like i no. i've, I've You're past that I've realized it doesn't work that it it's all bullshit and it's it's yeah <laughs> I'm just like I'm I'm tired of it and I got away and this is gonna be like a new me and I'm not letting his shit get in my way anymore like yeah, we're also in the middle that. of a custody battle right so yeah <laughs> yeah no he doesn't want to meet the new me yeah no you
0: know what nice. I'm I'm glad you're past that and you moved on and yeah as you mentioned those those days are over those tricks don't work anymore right So you mentioned you're in Canada. Where about? Are you in Canada? Or so? Where about? Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm in. Um. I live in Alberta, and it's in a city called Calgary.
0: Okay. I'm in Toronto, Canada. Oh, Oh, are you? Yeah, fellow Canadian. And I have a few. Actually, one of my friends is in Calgary. He's working in um. The energy. Field, So he's, you know, he he's going oh, back and forth. Okay. So he works out there. So I'm trying to go visit him hopefully this summer or this fall.
1: Right. Oh, that'll be exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. To my fellow Canadian. Yes. We have two Canadians on the show. The one I love it. I love it.
1: That's <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like um, there's so many beautiful things.
1: Be
0: yeah. There's so many beautiful things going on in Canada. I think um it kind of gets um it doesn't get the spotlight it necessarily needs to but canada is a very beautiful place and there's so much going on
1: it is i'm actually i'm i'm astounded by what our downtown core looks like since i've come back like vancouver is like not even number one anymore i would call downtown calgary number one because it's like we have this brand new building that is like it's, it's really bizarre. I don't know if you ever want to Google it, but it lights up and it does all these really funky colors and stuff. It's really pretty. And then um, our Calgary Tower has like this lights competition thing that happens at night. So people will go and put in their um, ideas for lights and shows and stuff, and then they'll display it at night. And it's really, really awesome. So yeah, I'm so happy I'm back home.
0: <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, definitely. Now that you made me wanna, now that you've told me that, I definitely have to go out there because that sounds so exciting.
1: It is. It's very exciting. Like my 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 youngest son uh, Noah, he's into trains. So when I told him that we have a heritage park, and outside of the the entrance, there's two Pacific Railway trains just outside the entrance. He is like so excited. He wants to come out and see it. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just take pictures for now and I'll send them to you, and then we'll kind of go from there. But yeah, yeah, no, nice. it's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, like and you so know what,
1: you're
0: you're making it sound like the place to be. So you know, you're you're definitely selling <laughs> your city well. So <laughs> the um any all those politicians out in Calgary, they definitely owe you a cut of their salary for making it sound like the place to be. Let's
1: say yes.
0: so i guess we'll officially get started and i want to welcome everyone to another episode of behind the shades i have my lovely guest with us here her name is janelle and janelle why don't you tell janelle my apologies your name is janelle (laughs) i do apologize and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are
1: okay so i will start with Well, I'm, I'm 33. I've just recently left an abusive relationship. I had to sacrifice leaving my two babies behind. Um, I've been in this bad relationship for 11 brutal years. I've left over 20 times, all 20 times failed. And through every time I left, I learned a new way of how not to script the next time and be able to see past it and move on. Um, I do have a podcast of my own, which is called One Step at a Time, or sorry, Life Happens One Step at a Time. And I've only been able to do the one episode, it's called Why Don't You Just Leave? And I released that I think about a month or two ago. And I've also started writing. So, I've written my first children's story that my six year old inspired me to write. He came up with the title, which was Why or The Wind is Angry. So, we did that. And um, I'm getting ready to start college at CDI for graphic design on April 19th. So, I'm very excited about that. And yeah, I, I actually do my podcasting as a way of, it's kind of like my self-therapy. So, I mean, it's, it's worked a lot better for me to do this than it, like counseling's never actually worked. So, I mean, doing my own type of therapy is actually helping, so talking about it and then sharing experiences with other people and just getting it all out because I've held it all in for so long and I've been, surrounded by people who never believed in me so just going to strangers and lovely people like yourself (laughs) is actually giving me courage to just get it all out and talk about it instead of holding it all in and thinking that it's going to go away on its own but I know it won't so
0: perfect and I want to say congratulations on attending college that's amazing you must be really excited for that
1: I am, I am i didn't ever, I actually never thought I was ever going to see myself doing something like this because I was like, I graduated grade 12 and that was enough. Like, I, I thought, like, just that battle of getting through high school and being bullied at the same time and all that, right? But no, this is actually going to be really exciting for me because I get to go and explore a different type of whatever you want to call it but it's it's new and it's different and I don't know I'm really I like it
0: that's like the first step onto bigger and better things because you're gonna learn so much and I feel that you're gonna do so well when you get there
1: I will oh I hope so (laughs) it's like a a 62 week course so hopefully we get something out of it
0: (laughs) absolutely I I I strongly believe that you get what you put into it so as long as you're going there with an open mind you're gonna do phenomenally well and this is a big turning point because for you, going through what you for you went through, as you mentioned, you didn't think that you would reach as far, but here you are speaking to me, sharing your experience, starting your own podcast, going to college. That's amazing. And you should definitely feel like it's a big, strong step forward into the rest of your life. And it's only going to be positive things going forward. Yeah. If you were to be reflective on it. How did that situation start? And how did you end up in that situation?
1: So I met this guy 11 years ago, I was 22. And also take note, he is twice my age. So he's like 56. And what, what kind of really struck me to him was like his charm. So he put on this really nice charm. He had recently lost his dad to cancer. And when I first saw him, I met him through my cousin Jay out in BC. And um, I, I just went over to their place one day and I was like, no, this guy's really lonely. He seems like a really nice guy. So we kind of hit it off. And I, I didn't notice like at first, like he was he was he had a nice side, but he also had a real mean side. So like he didn't have the patience to put up with people who have like a slow mind, like I do. So like I have, um, I was born with FAS. So that's um, fetal alcohol syndrome when your mom drinks while she's pregnant with you. Um, I lost my twin sister at birth from it. And um, it's been a struggle, but I mean, for him trying to understand me when I was trying to explain things. So like the first time he got mad was when I told him that I accidentally forgot about a doctor's appointment I had And he got really mad at me in the car and started yelling at me. And right there, I just felt like opening the car door and just jumping out with the vehicle moving. (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, just get me out of here. And then, like, months and months went by, same thing. He'd get really angry at me about this and that. And I didn't really take, like, I, I was just like, I'd look at other people and I was like, well, these guys seem to have an argument. So maybe this is just normal. So I kind of went with it. And then it was like years later, he started getting physical and it was in 2016, he actually like I ended up like getting drunk just because I was like, I was having trouble coping and dealing with it. So I go out, get drunk, come home, but not bother him in any way. And I came face to face with him one night and I remember he he got really mad and he wouldn't let me go to the washroom just down the hall. He took my head, he slammed it into a wall and I'm, I'm 5'1", and I'm just barely a hundred pounds, so I'm just, I'm pretty small. So he knocked me out and me banging, having my head bashed against the wall, I instantly lost consciousness, fell to the floor. And then I woke up to getting a rug burn on my shoulder because he was dragging me down the hallway. So he, I don't know what his intentions were or what he was planning, but my instincts and my, I don't know, this weird energy just came over me and I just flipped myself around and I kicked him in the balls and I ran off. And then my cousin was living in the basement at the time. And I, all I remember was I was going down the stairs running down to her to tell her to call 911 and I blacked out and I don't remember anything past that. So, I mean, he's, he's, He's five feet. He's five four. So, I mean, he's not very big, but he had enough power to like do a lot of like physical damage to me. Um, I never did go to the police about it because he had this convincing story that his, his, he, everybody was his friend. So it was like, I would go and take my kids out and he would be like telling me that. He was a member of the Hells Angels Club, and he knew people in the area, and he had people watching me. And um, it ended up that I was like, I I was paranoid to even go and leave my house. Like, I was looking over my shoulder all the time, and it really affects you mentally. Like, you get super paranoid, you flinch at everything if somebody moves behind you someone looks at you the wrong way you instantly get that weird fear and I I lived with that for like almost my whole 11 years and then he decided last year he was going to change his story when I brought it up and I actually recorded this one was I brought up about him how he knew the Hells Angels and how he became a part of them and his first story was like before this one was that he was it, it? took place in England because that's where he was from. Was um, Hampton Court, England, or somewhere in there? And um, he became a Hell's Angel, but he had—they gave him this weird um, ceremony where he didn't have to have a tattoo or he didn't have to do certain things just to get into this club. And I was like, well, that's kind of odd because usually. Bikers and gangs like that, they have to have some sort of a thing on their body, like ink wise saying that they're part of a member or a gang or something. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he told me like his first time he uh, he had to kill somebody to get into a club. So that kind of just like struck me as odd. I was like, how are you still here and not behind bars for doing something like that? Oh, we get away with stuff all the time. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. So I just kind of went with it. And then when I brought it up with him again, he was like, oh, well, we were part of this, um, it was like a charity club. So the Hells Angels would go and do charities and they would help the less fortunate. And he did all this really nice stuff. And I was like, okay, so I have two stories now from him, but from the same type of motorcycle gang. And I was like, okay, this is weird. But he was like, "Yeah, we did really great stuff with them, and I didn't have to get a tattoo, and I was able to leave whenever I wanted, and I we they let us go because let me go easily because I was such a great guy." And I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting. Okay, but I don't know. Like, if if anybody from the Hell's Angels ever heard him saying stuff like that, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be happy about it."
0: Yeah, it does seem. Like it's someone that is trying to make up a backstory to maybe sound convincing in a way to keep you attached and dependent on them. Because what I found is one of the ways that abusers um, or people who engage in that type of activity, they always want to make sure that their victim stays as close as possible to them and doesn't venture away and find the truth and discover them. Because a lot of times these are people that aren't very confident themselves or they may be going through something themselves, which puts them in a situation, not minimizing what you went through, but put them in a situation to try to have control over you, right? And you're the type of person, from what I'm hearing now, is that after a while, you began to doubt the stories because one, they're changing and two, they're becoming more and more unrealistic. Was that- The point where you started to think to yourself that I know sooner than later I am going to have to figure out something for myself and take a step away from this because you're going through mental, physical, and emotional trauma.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was confusing at first because I was I started like I, I use the internet for a lot of research, right? So that was kind of like my standing point was let's go and do a bit of research, find out what we know, and then I would go and ask around like whatever friends he had. Are you aware of when John was this and that and this and that? And they were like, Oh, we didn't know about that and we were friends for life. And I'm like, Oh, well that's interesting. He would be friends with you for like all his life, but he would never say anything. And like, I even approached his brother, um, his name's Maurice. He's like in a band with, um, I don't know if you've heard of them, Dogs More. And he's married to Cher Patterson from Vixen and they live in Florida. But it's like, I, I would ask him about things like this and he would kind of like, he, he wouldn't really, he didn't like touching on the topic, but It was like, he had his own, he knew that his brother had issues, like, he was, oh, I don't know what the word is. Well, okay, so, he broke his neck in 86, um, he got pushed in the shallow end of a pool, and he broke his neck in two places. So, following that, he ended up with a halo on, like, those ones that you bolt onto your head, so you have, like, two bolts here, two here, and... The way they did it was they had him strapped into a chair no anesthetic and they drilled four bolts into his head and I was like well how the heck do you walk away from that saying you're okay and having to go through that twice so I was like okay well this is kind of making a little sense he's a little uh lo- like loony up there so I'm like okay well maybe we should like go and see if we can approach him about any mental illnesses so I'd go and talk to his mom and she would, she would instantly like just threw it down. Was like, I, I didn't get him any help because there's nothing wrong with him. And mental health, you don't need counseling for stuff like that because it doesn't work. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I'm like, okay. Well, this answers a lot. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So your son has brain damage, and you were a nurse, but you failed to get your son help. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. And I was like, no, there's a lot of things wrong with him and he needs help, like. <laughs> so he ended up um, telling me months later that he um, he came in from work. And I remember I was outside having a smoke and he came in through the front, came out the back, grabbed the chair, pulled it up in front of me and sat down and was like, I have PTSD. And I was just like, okay, hi. And he, he was like, I, I've held this from you for years because I was afraid. And I was like, you know, I'm not the kind of person to judge, but if it means like you you were honest with me at the beginning, we could have worked through this together. And I wasn't one to judge, I never am. Like, I, I don't like judging people unless they're being unfair. But I was raised in an environment where you respect everybody around you and you receive it back so i was like why why wouldn't you be honest with me and he couldn't come up with an answer it was just like he was ashamed or he would say he was too proud and i was just like you know like i have my issues but i'm not ashamed of them like it's it's just a fact of life like shit happens right if it's unavoidable there's there's things out there that can help you with it but he he never ended up getting help for it so
0: Is this something that allowed you to understand the overall situation that you're going through?
1: Yeah. Like it it opens so many doors as to why he was acting the way he was and saying all this stuff. Like, I I guess for him, it was his way of being secure and having that control over me. And I was like, you know, you don't need to do all this because I'm not a bad person. I've never heard a fly. Like I'm. The nicest person on the in the universe. Like, why would you go and do stuff like this and be dishonest? And yeah, like he he just he never had an answer for it. So it's just like it but yeah, it it answers so many unanswered questions.
0: Yeah, that's my initial point where it goes back to that saying, damage people, damage people, right? And broken people break things, because he is going through his situation and this is not a reason to put you through it because what you went through is traumatic and to see you today and for those listening to have her today to share it is truly inspirational because it takes courage it takes discipline right it takes belief in yourself and and trust in 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 me to to walk this path with you that you've allowed me to walk and one thing that I will always say, because I've, I've talked to a few people that have gone through um, a type of abuse, either it's um, maybe in a sexual manner or a physical manner, is that the last thing you want is for someone who is hurting or someone who is broken to hurt you. And then as a result of that, you continue to be hurt yourself. And then you take that hurt into the future. Did you right. find yourself trying to make sure that when you were able to overcome your past and work on it and have your own podcast and have these beautiful conversations, did you find yourself sometimes struggling to not bring that pain from the past into your future?
1: I mean, I like, I, I thought about it, but it's like, if I leave the pain in the past, it's always going to be there like as like an untouched book and then it's gonna be seen to me as like a book with dust on it until i am buried again like i've i've actually just from the incident i told you about when i i had the head smash like where he smashed my head i do have some memory loss from that so like my i remember my uncle was bringing up um a past incident that I had with my dad that I totally forgot about. And I was like, it was like, he he brought up like, again, a dusty book that I totally forgot about. And he uncovered it and was like, oh, do you remember blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, why would you tell me that? <laughs> but it's like, if I, if I leave it in the past, it doesn't go away. It's always going to be there in the back of my head. And it's always going to bug me unless I bring it up and I actually open that book and I read it, And be like okay well this is what happened we can't change what happened but this is how we can fix it or address it or try and make it a little better or try and help it so that it helps me heal from it so that's why i ended up saying you know i'm gonna just start doing podcasting and talking about it instead of just burying it up and hiding it so
0: is there any other ways that you work to to cope with it because it seems that and this is just me like we've only known each other a couple of days right like you seem definitely someone that would be better now with more energy more livelihood like how else do you cope with it maybe outside of your podcast or having conversations with people like myself
1: um i i write about it so like because like i've i've do talent i've actually discovered is that i'm a very articulate writer and i actually kind of discovered it by accident (laughs) so i i write about it and it's like if if i can get it on paper then i can get it out of my mind it's on paper and then i can just kind of put it aside or just burn it and just be done with it but like what i found that's more effective is if like again if i do a podcast about it and i talk about it and i try trying to relate to other people about how they dealt with it in similar situations and then it helps me deal with it a lot easier that way so because i know i'm not the only one who's going through all this like there's millions of others who are going through it too but they just have their different versions of it so
0: yeah and that's a part that's tough to hear you know So many people going through it. And yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people that go through this type of situation. And that's truly sad. But to your point, you know, that makes each and every one of you um, a part of a community that can band together and become stronger because you all are strong to, to go through it. And I remember a time where one of my... At the time, one of my friends was going through a form of abuse because the person, when they drink, they would become like this monster of a person, totally different. Um, And I think that's pretty much common um, just based on what I've read. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Like in in public... They're the nicest people. He's charming. She's charming. Sometimes they make you feel in front of other people like you're the greatest thing in the world. You're. I love you. I love your hair. I love the shirt that you're wearing. You look very elegant. You look sexy. You look beautiful. All these nice things. And when this person and my friend would get behind closed doors, there was a form of abuse. And she was able to find the courage to leave. But what you find... Or what I find in my experience is that, like you mentioned, that the first time they leave, they come back. The second time they leave, they come back. The third time. So it becomes a habit and it becomes it's quite difficult. Cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. And for her, one day I said, okay, today is the day you're going to leave. So when she was finished work, her and I went to her place. She packed her things and she moved out. And from that point forward, because she had the support system, because she had someone that she can pull courage from, and I'll let you speak on this, because when you're going through it and it's new and you're shocked and you're like, I can't believe he or she's doing this to me. You don't want to leave because you think, well, you know what? It's only the one time. Begin to rationalize it in your mind. Well, maybe he was upset or worse yet, you look at yourself what did I do to cause a person to treat me this way? Maybe I'm not good enough.
1: Maybe right. I don't That's
0: deserve exactly. to be loved. That's right. right. So are these things that you were going through earlier on thinking that it was your fault? You weren't good enough. Maybe you don't deserve love. Was these some of the thoughts you had?
1: These were exactly the same thoughts that I had. And I like, again, with me and my disability, it was like, I always put the blame on myself and thought, you know, maybe maybe I'm not good enough. And like, he used to use the R word and I was like, I'm, I'm so against that word now, <laughs> but he, he, he'd he, go and start using the R word against me. And I was just like, okay, so yeah, I have a disability, but it doesn't make me that. And it was like, no matter how hard I tried, I was never good enough. Like I'd, I'd try from every single approach I try and do something different. I try and cook food with a different spice, like everything to the littlest thing. And it never, it was never good enough for him. So it was like, I, I exhausted myself. And it was like to the point that I i started drinking cause I was like giving up. And then from that I ended up becoming suicidal. And I just like, I almost committed myself to a psych word. Cause I, I seriously thought I was going crazy. So <laughs> it's like, it it really messes with your head after a while when you you sit there and you scratch your head like what did i do wrong how can i fix it and then you play the same the same role over and over and over in your head and it's like you 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 lose a battle that you're never going to win
0: yeah it's such a scary concept to lose your own mind and yeah. i look at people that reach an age where they're old right they've they've reached advanced years and they're losing their mind and i look at it that has to be one of my biggest fears is to to lose my mind but it goes back to what what we talked about where and for those listening where you're trying to please the person that's causing you pain you're trying to adapt you're trying to change you're trying to compromise yourself to that and i guess my question to you would be for the people out there the men and women who are going to listen to this, who know someone like I, how I knew someone, or maybe going through it themselves, what advice would you give them to help them identify a situation like yours so they can get out of it sooner than later?
1: Okay, so this one I've actually touched base on. Um, I did a. It's it's actually on my website. Um, the stages of leaving and identifying abuse and knowing when it's time to leave. When you know that you're not good enough and you've given your all, don't stick around because he's not going to change. Nothing that you do is ever going to be good enough. You've exhausted all your options. There's no other, there's nothing left to do. It's just move on and Try something else, but be careful when you're leaving. Like there's, there's tricks out there that I've actually had to use, which was like, um, for those who've struggled with leaving their abuser is um, doing the pizza 911. So dialing 911 and pretending you're ordering a pizza. They're going to catch on and eventually get you your help. Um, another one I've tried was, your car alarm, if you have your car keys and you keep them somewhere close to you, even if it's by your bedside and or anywhere where, just keep them on you at all times. But you push your panic button and you complete, you you repeatedly do that. Your neighbors are gonna get annoyed, but they're going to come and check on you and make sure that you're okay. Those are a couple of them. Um, There's a few others that I've got. I haven't uploaded them yet but um for for leaving your abuser but yeah like just just don't stay if it's not going to be worth staying like you'd be wasting your time like I I feel horrible for wasting 11 years of my life (laughs) like all my early 20s and that I'm 33 now and it's like I haven't done anything with my life but now I'm starting to do something but I mean I I would have loved to Done this like years ago and been able to get my kids to a safe environment. But I mean it's better I do it late than never.
0: Yeah, and don't feel yeah, you may feel bad that you, you know, you spent all those years, especially your 20s. Twenties, you know, you look at everyone around you and the and the 20s are like everyone's so happy, they're trying new things, they're meeting all these people, they're going on their trips. And it looks like it's the time of their life. And then you enter your thirties. That's when you have to say, okay, you know what? I need a job. I got to pay this. I got to pay that. I got to get a house, have 2.5 kids, dog named Sparky in the white picket fence.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's how we do it. That's how
0: we do it in Canada, everyone over here. But, you know, um, you got out when you had the strength to, right? And you had to do fine. And you mentioned something that I want to elaborate on. Um, when you say that, you know, for those who feel that they're they're not worthy or they're not good enough, do you still have that state of mind now? Like, do you feel now that I am good enough? I deserve happiness. I deserve love. I deserve someone to hold me and tell me that they care about me. I deserve someone to make me feel like I'm the most important thing in their world. Do you feel that now?
1: I absolutely do. I do. Um, I'm, I'm actually with of the very man who actually saved me from suicide on August 8th. Um, we've been together since July 27th of last year. So yeah, no, my, my life has been a lot happier and he's, because he, he's witnessed a lot of the abuse too. So, I mean, he's he's been my shoulder, my rock, he's my angel and I'm, I, I love him <laughs> and I've actually, I can't, I, I have to say that I've never loved anybody the way I love this man. Like I, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him.
0: How does that feel for you coming from where you came from just before this person?
1: It's it's actually life-changing because like I, I've lost my mom to cancer when, my, when I was actually pregnant with my first son. And she died a month before he was born. So I had that trauma and it was like, my life just kind of went downhill. And I I sat here thinking, you know, like nothing ever, nothing good is ever going to come out of this. So I was like, everything I did, it was a downfall. And then now everything's just kind of going up from here. And like, I'm going through custody battle and everything's kind of going my way. So yeah, no, I mean like if you put you start putting more faith in things that you you know that you're good for, they're going to eventually start happening. So yeah, it's wow. I'm just happy where I am now.
0: <laughs> it's like two totally different worlds now for you, right?
1: Yes, it is. It's it's amazing.
0: Where are you going to take your life from now, Janelle? Like where do you want to take it and where is it going right? now?
1: So it's it's going to I mean like it, it's it's not really going very far right now because we're in a pandemic. But with the things that are going on for me right now, I mean I'm I'm happy with where I am. I'm starting college. I'm working on seeing my kids in a couple of weeks and trying to restore um a relationship between me and my eldest one because we're dealing with parental alienation as well thanks to my ex and yeah it's it's i've i've got this whole world of support and it's it's going really well so far so
0: exciting i can tell by the big smile that you are totally a different person than than you were 11 years ago or maybe even just a few years ago right
1: yes yeah no it was like three years ago i was i was full of anxiety i had constant panic attacks um i've actually been able to stop those since i've left my abuser um and it was just from simple meditation i didn't have to go medications or anything i just had to meditate and breathe and just like slow my brain down and it it's worked really well so i've i've come like so far and i'm like i'm really happy where i am like it's it's just yeah things are going very very well so far and um i i know that it's kind of cliche to say this that it's gonna help other people i mean it's just one step at a time right
0: yeah, and then, you know, because I've, I've listened to the, the episode that you did do on your on your podcast, and it's very truthful, and you can, you can feel um, what you're going through, and I think once you continue to share more of that, and you start to share yourself, because you're in a unique situation where, I don't know if you ever thought this, but you could influence and impact positively so many people out there because you can point to yourself and say I went through this for this period of time it was a very dark period of time but here I am doing so much better and you're speaking about it and you're sharing it um touch on your podcast is that your goal for the podcast or do you want to take your podcast somewhere else
1: um well I I'm I'm kind of like yeah like I I wanted to start with me sharing bits and pieces of how my relationship went and how i dealt with my struggles and my fears and how others can try and relate to that and then kind of change it up a bit to happier times on how i am now and where i'm gonna be in like say, five or ten years and like how we're coping through a pandemic and how my kids are coping through stuff like this and touching on like um, my parenting from a province away with my kids. And then finally is going to be touching about um, getting my son diagnosed with ASD so and then trying to deal with that as well. So. Yeah, there's there's gonna be a lot of a lot more episodes coming anyways. <laughs>